talking to me. You're talking to me. <laughs> Dumb song. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's fucking. I have, I have nothing but like negative things to say about it too. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! system is down this is asinine radio this is the weekly music podcast where every week uh, we take a different record from a different band or artist and we break it down we find out all the secrets and then we let you all know about it uh my name is tyler way out there hundreds of miles away way out there is jeff go to apple podcast please go rate review and subscribe to us on there give us five stars on the itunes on apple Podcasts. please 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 that would mean the world to us you could follow us on all the social medias at Asinine Radio. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, let us know. We'll send you a link. Or if you want to give us a call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. The phone number is 503-893-5307. Now, Jeff, what are we doing today? Go. We are doing Pantera and their album, Vulgar Display of Power. <laughs> Arlington, Texas, by Vinnie Paul on drums, Dimebag Daryl, otherwise known as Diamond Daryl on lead guitar, Terry Glaze on rhythm guitar, Donnie Hart on vocals, and Tommy Bradford on bass. Over the band's 22-year career, they put out nine full-length records, four EPs, two live records, five comps, and have sold many, many millions of copies worldwide. 
But the album we're doing today is Vulgar Display of Power. It is their sixth record, and it was released February 25th, 1992. It features Phil Anselmo on vocals, Dimebag Daryl on guitar, Rex Brown on bass, Vinnie Paul on drums, and has sold well over 2 million copies worldwide. Now, Jeff, what is, what are your, what's your origin story with Pantera? What do you got? Go. I, I have no, I have no roots in Pantera whatsoever. I, I just know at some point in my early guitar playing, I, I learned Cowboys from Hell. I don't know how I heard the song, but that, that's it. And I love the song, but it was <laughs> weird because it never, I, I, I never wanted to like listen to more. I was just content with just that one thing. I don't know why. It's bizarre. So mm-hmm. I really have no, no roots whatsoever. And this week I, I did something different because usually I'll listen to the album of the week first and then I'll do the discography and then I'll listen to, I'll, you know, I'll cap it, sandwich it like that for album of the week first and then last. But this week, mm-hmm. since I knew they started in glam, and I've never listened to any Pantera album in its entirety. I I didn't listen to the album of the week prior. I just I started with Metal Magic and listened to them all oh. in order. And I was just dude, that fucking hey man. So yeah, I mean that's that's I guess I'll do my, my initial thoughts too in the same sentence. I if yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Yeah, yeah. Just holy fucking shit. This band is is both a joke and unbelievably insanely good <laughs> all at the same time it's it's incredible yeah i i'm really really blown away by how great of a guitarist dimebag was you know i everybody always said he was really good and i, I only knew cowboys but fucking hey the guy just he 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 yes he was really really good and then phil mm. like clearly this dude is, is emulating his stage presence off of henry rollins there's a lot of henry rollins there there's a lot of the way henry rollins writes music kind of just mm-hmm. writing poems almost. Obviously, Phil's not nearly on the same level as Henry Rollins was, but kind of the same same approach. Phil's not, he doesn't always write songs that rhyme and sticking to like a formula that sounds great and appealing to the ears. He's just writing kind of like poetry, just kind of writing off the cuff. Doesn't have to rhyme, doesn't have to flow, doesn't have to even make sense sometimes. And I dig that. I liked it a lot. So... This was uh, this was one hell of a week, I'll tell you. I was very, very, very happy with the overall listen through in this in this Pantera listen through. I was I was surprised and I was <laughs> I dug it a lot. I, I I'm not quite like a hardcore Pantera fan now, but I like this band a lot. They're really good. Okay, we're right. really good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, my origin story. I don't remember the first time I heard it. I heard them, but I know I know the first song I ever heard was Walk. And I think it was from somebody in high school. I don't know who it was, but somebody played Walk for me, and it stuck out because of that chorus. That guitar riff is just so heavy. But outside of that, I I know what I know. I heard Cowboys from Hell that song some at some point in high school, and then you know after high school, Guitar Hero came out. That song was on Guitar Hero, but I never, I never got into the band. I know. My ex, uh, my ex girlfriend, her dad really liked Pantera, so I'm pretty sure we listened to a few of their songs growing up. You know, I'd be at her house or something, or he would drive us somewhere. But outside of that, man, nobody I knew really liked Pantera, and so I, n- I never had any exposure to it. And then, much like you, I, even after hearing Walk and Cowboys from Hell, those two songs were never enough for me to want to hear more. 
I just thought whatever they're they're cool they're fine I understand how iconic they are I understand Dimebag's a great guitar player but it was just I never I never dove any deeper than that until this week honestly I it's it's been I can't believe it took me this long to get into the band not to say I love everything that they've done because not all of it is good or great but there's some fucking gems here especially with this record vulgar display of power oh yeah uh with that being said the i mean it's quite the jump from the glam metal to what this is and in a way it is kind of selling out for whatever that means but they did it they did it in in such a way that is so unique to themselves and that's super rad. I know there's there was some controversy with another band called like Ex Gorder or something like that, who were starting to do the same thing, and they claim that Pantera uh, ripped them off. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Who? I mean, how many songs of theirs do you know, and how many Pantera songs do you know? Yeah, and fuck them. Pantera was doing it from Metal Magic. You can hear this sound in Metal yeah, Magic. Yeah. yeah, there's that too. There's that. So too. fuck them. So yeah, that, that's my that's kind of my my or that's that is my origin story and kind of my initial thoughts. I was honestly blown away by this. I thought it was fantastic, absolutely. Maybe just like like Pantera was just an I don't know. It just kind of like skipped us as a as a as an age group. I think well, so. I mean, obviously, we're just way too young for it. But then we weren't like way way too young to, for it, where it would be like nostalgic in the eighties. It was like early nineties, and it wasn't. Uh, like there was metal before and there was metal after. So maybe it was just, I don't know. We just kind of missed the boat and then never got back on. Yeah. And like I was telling you before we started recording, one thing that honestly that made me not want to get into them more was the guitar tone on Cowboys from Hell. I don't like, like we, and also like we've talked about in the rankings, I don't, I don't like the guitar tone on that record. I I think it's it's too tinny. It, I just I never was a fan of it, and because of that, that was another reason why I never dove deeper into their music, because I just assumed it was all like that. Because even Walk kind of has that, still kind of has that tone, but not to the extent of that entire record. But yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we finally did this. We we've been talking about doing Pantera for a long time. Dude, it's so hard saying it that way without like it's, thinking it's about how so, stupid it is. I know it's so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so disrespectful but and I, annoying. But I can't help but do it every time. But uh, yeah, anyway, th- this is an, uh, honestly a fantastic record. I have no stinkers. I don't even have any okay songs. Oh, oh so, hold, hold your horses there. Hold your horses there. There are definitely okay songs on this record. But do you have any stinkers? No. Okay. Should we run through your okays then? Uh, one of them I, would, almost was a stinker. Which one is that? Hollows? Hollow, yeah. Okay. Or hollow, yeah. Yeah. God damn. Well, see, so first of all, hollow and what's the other one? This Love? Yes. Yeah, This Love. The two Dude, ballads. Fucking the sequencing alone. Stupid. Whoever, whoever put fucking hostile right before This Love is an idiot. And then whoever <laughs> thought it would be okay to do like by demons be driven and then put hollow after that. Also fucking dumb. Just horrible okay. sequencing, and I don't like it. I thought it was rough, and it was it was difficult to get into. But yeah, the first part of Hollow, definitely not my cup of tea at all, in any way, shape, or form. I do like the lead guitar melody sometimes. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this would have been a close stinker. And as I'm writing this, the song changes, right? About halfway through, yeah, it changes. 
Yeah, fucking three minutes in, it changes into something else. And like, as I have just finished typing on my phone, like this was a close stinker, it turns into a fucking banger. It it, it gets yeah. loud, it gets heavy, <laughs> and that second part is a fucking banger of a song. But it's it like really you got to do the first bullshit to even get to it. But God, that last part is just absolute gold. Gold, Jerry. And I'm just I'm so happy they ended the record with that last part and didn't just write hollow in its entirety as one long shit song. <laughs> See, I kind of, I kind of viewed it the same way I view Suicide Note Part One and Two. You have to have the first with the second. You know, it's it's that that kind of build up. It's not that great of a build up, but it's still a decent build up into the heavier part. I just hate that sound, like that, like the blackout, whatever that song that do whatever whatever that's, song that. Well, is. that's actually uh, Injustice for All, but that's the song one. Oh yeah, yeah, that song. I hate that fucking. I hate that tone. It, really? I, I hate it. Cannot stand. Huh. Little verb on it. That's it's a very, great song, though. It, that's that. I hate that. It's fucking shit. And what it, about when reminds it gets me of that too. No, that, that's fine. The darkness imprisoning me. All that I see, absolute horror. It's so good. Keep going. <laughs> Taking my arms. Taking my legs. Taking my soul. Wait. Yeah, I think that's what he says. I don't know. Whatever. Cool video. It's though. so good. No, it's it, I. I just don't. I hate that. Oh, come on, it's so catchy. It's like it's like the cooler, catchier version of Adam Song, but done <laughs> eleven song. years before. That's what it is. It's like the metal song. Adam Song. Yeah, the metal Adam Song. <laughs> or no, the Blink version is the the, the alternative punk. version, the pop punk version of one. One. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, it's, it's fine. Hollow, Hollow was just, it was, that first part, it was absolutely, I did not like it at all. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That is my, that is my 11B. So. Is it because of the, the first bottom. part? Like if, oh, if yeah, it was, 100%. Because yeah, okay. of the first right. part, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the latter half, after the three minute mark, fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Unbelievable. But, yeah, I mean, I, we don't have to talk about Hollow anymore. Yeah, that's fine. One song then, I just don't want to talk about. Yeah. But it's still a banger. Live, live in a Hole. Or live in is a it hole. Live in a hole or live in a hole. I don't know. Live or live in a hole. Okay. In a hole. How was your hole? <laughs> <laughs> this this uh this was this wasn't like terrible. a banger, but it wasn't like an okay song. It was kind of in between. So like Hollow is only the true true okay song that I have. Everything else I kind of would put as a banger, but then okay, and it was just weird. But like but like live in a hole. This is. This is kind of just like a jam song to showcase like Dimebag's noodling and how how great he is. But again, mm-hmm. like the best part for me of the song comes at the end when it turns into just like a chuggy metal song. Yeah. Otherwise, the middle part is all right. Okay. So I will say, live in a hole, live in a hole. Uh, this is my 4B. Oh. I do really like that that cool kind of weird chugging thing that they do in the beginning. And then it's supplemented with that that guitar lead. And it's just, I think it sounds really, really great. And overall, it's just that that awesome riff. It, I think the riff is just so great. The chorus it reminds me a little bit of Faith No More. The way Phil sings it, it kind of has that. I don't even know how to explain Faith No More's that their vocal or what's the name? Not Mike. Is it Mike Patton? Is that the drummer? What's the, who's the singer from know. Faith No More? I don't know. Oh my god, dude, this is gonna drive me nuts. Faith No More singer. Let's see. I always forget his name. Mike Patton. Yeah, I was right. Mike Patton. So Mike Patton has this has this weird way of kind of singing. It's like it's almost like uh, Anthony Kiedis, but way cooler. Because Anthony Kiedis is fucking lame as hell. But he has that 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 kind of rap, kind of staccato way of 
singing. And that's kind of what Phil was doing on this song. And I thought that was really cool. So I, that's kind of why I, this is my number, f- my number four banger. And also because that guitar solo with Dimebag just comes out of nowhere. And he does, he does noodle a lot, which is great because he's really good at it, but he doesn't do it often. So when it does happen, it makes it that much better because he doesn't overdo it. That, but, no, that is, that is true. I, I, like I said, I, I like, I like him a lot. I, I like, <laughs> I like the way he, he riffs. I like the way he noodles. I like his solos. I like how all of his solos are in the, like the metal realm of Pantera, but none of them are anywhere near the same at all. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. And, and like, it reminded me like the song that really wanted me to play guitar was was eruption aside from like dashboard and wanting to do like songs and stuff but like eruption was a song that wanted me that made me want to play the electric guitar and obviously that never happened i never got to that point where i wanted to even learn eruption but it's just i don't know i'm getting back into solos for a long time i didn't like guitar solos but i'm kind of getting back into them now but listen to a lot of uh a lot of these wankers a lot of these wankers wanking <laughs> i think i'm i think i'm coming back around again Ah, oh, finally, finally, it's been years. I know, I've, I've hated years. guitar solos for many, many years. <laughs> but yeah, live in a dive, uh, or li- live in a hole, it's okay. Live in a dive, yeah, no live, effects, live in we're, a doing, dive we're doing that no effects record now. Yeah. Okay, so what's, uh, so let, let's actually, let's step back a little bit. Okay. Since okay. we have no stinkers, we've talked okay. about the okays, let's talk about Walk, because we already Whoa. played it, so we might as well talk about it, touch upon it right now. Walk. Where does this sit on your banger list? This is my 4B. Ah, okay. This is my 10B. Mm. We'll say that right now. I think this song is really cheesy. Almost on the verge of dumb. But it is fun to sing. It's just it's just stupid. It's just a stupid song. But I still like it. I still think it's a banger, but definitely not the best on the record. Yeah, this is this is a 4B. I agree. This is a dumb song. That little squirrely riff that, that he does, it's it's crunchy and heavy and, and cool, but it's stupid. And the song mm-hmm. structure is, is bare bones. It's basic. It's five minutes of the same fucking thing over and over and over. But it's fucking good. It is so fun to sing. It's I can just imagine some really rad 90s mosh pits going on to this thing and people just waving <laughs> their arms around, just having a great time. And there's a lot of little there's a lot of little like nuance that I like. I love the small silences in the pre chorus. Like the vocals match like the riff. And there's all these, all these like small pauses, a bunch of these small pauses, and you can hear how Vinny is grabbing the cymbal to quiet it after the, psh, and he grabs oh, the I cymbal real part, quick. Yeah. He, he hits then, the snare and then hits, yeah, it's the snare hit to that that crash, but it happens so quickly. So when you try to, I feel like when you try to do it, it's very difficult. But you can you, still uh, hear the ring because even if you grab a cymbal, there is still sound that is resonating through your hand. There's still yeah, vibrations yeah. going on, and you can hear it in the song. You can hear yeah. the, the, you know, it's a crash and it's it's grabbed, so it's super super quiet. But for that like millisecond, you can hear that that muted ring from him grabbing it. And I just uh, that's so fucking cool. I like the strain in Phil's voice in the verses when he's ending like the sentences. I think that's so <laughs> rad. And like the yeah. solo, the solo is just wacky and solo. fun. It's it's stupid and it's just like they made a dumb song and then Dimebag threw down one of his dumbest solos. And it's cool. <laughs> Everything just matches so perfectly in this song that is just so fucking stupid. I did see, there was one time years ago, I saw Wednesday 13 at uh, the Whiskey and whatever band was opening right before them, they were young guys. They were, I mean, at the time when I saw Wednesday, I was probably 21, 22. And these guys were the same age as us. 
very young guys and they their set was whatever like it was more horror punk closer to wednesday 13 and then to close out their set they did a cover of walk and at that point like almost everybody had filled up the whiskey to see wednesday so like the, the venue was pretty damn full if not sold out at that point or everybody was there at that point and they played walk and the crowd went fucking nuts. <laughs> they went. And, I mean, th- and this is a band who were just whatever. But the moment everybody heard that first opening guitar riff, dude, it, the crowd w- went absolutely nuts. And then the pits started. And the pits were wild. They were nuts. It was, it was a pretty cool experience, but really stupid at the same time because the song is so ridiculous. It's, it's but like the, it, it's, it was cool. It was fun. It's one of the dumbest best metal songs i've ever heard yeah exactly yes it's exactly it's, it's so stupid and even like the way Vinny comes in on the drums do, 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 like, come on that's what you came up with mm-hmm. that's it it's so terrible everything about the so song basic. is so amateur it's probably one of the most basic songs you'll ever hear like uh, fucking five in minutes. the chorus like you talking to me? are you talking to me respect i mean it's obviously this huge anthem but it's so stupid. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I like it a lot. My 4B. Lyr- My 4B. Ly- lyrically, what do you have on this one? Uh, I thought this was kind of like a nice fuck off um, to somebody who's a toxic person in your life. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I got to. And then reading a little bit more about it, Phil was saying he wrote this after they, the band had kind of blown up with Cowboys from Hell. And they went back to Arlington, their hometown, home state, whatever. And people were saying like they had this huge ego and they thought they were better than everybody else. And this is pretty much him saying, fuck you. We're the same people we were before. You're just being a little bitch. Essentially, that's what he was saying. And he wrote this song accordingly, which is a nice fuck you song. It is a nice fuck you song. Yeah. And from what I, I, I read, like I'm not big, big on musical theory or any or like big time signatures, but this the main guitar riff was was played in a 12 eight time signature. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand it, but hearing the song, I don't hear it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, I in on on paper, I can I can read that and they, okay, that was that should go like this. But when I hear the riff itself, it's it's a weird riff. I don't hear it all. Yeah, it is definitely weird. But I don't know. I I can't make that connection to the twelve eight because I know what I know what it means, and I think I could hear it in like a normal song. But in this song, I just I. I don't know for whatever reason I, I don't hear it. Great stuff though. It's all so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good right. Stuff. All right. What is what is your what what is your one B? My one B is fucking hostile. Fucking hostile. That is my one, one right B after. too. There we go. Fucking stuff. hostile. What I do you got it, on this one? I thought this song was so good that I went back and like looked up videos of them in the nineties performing this song just to see if, if they could do it well live and and yeah. they did they they tore it up <laughs> and it was it was just so cool to watch them play this song live and this is this is just an aggressive like hardcore punk song this is some better stuff than i've, I've heard from many hardcore punk bands sometimes ever mm-hmm. and I, I, mm-hmm. I i i like the bass drum sound it's it's i don't know it sounds really cool i i, I don't know i love everything about this song it's so goddamn good and i was this is coming off of walk where i was already I'm already liking Vulgar Display because I like Cowboys and I'm going on Vulgar Display. And, you know, the first couple songs, Mouth for War, War has has a part in that's really, really good. A new level, that's a 6B for me. Walk, 4B. And I was like, okay, this is a good album. And then fucking Hostel comes off 
<laughs> and it just I I didn't even know what to think to be honest like I had no idea what to think. It hits you so hard. It's the fastest song, the most thrash style song on the entire record. It catches you off guard, like because you you think you think you're at the pinnacle with Walk, like with the heaviness and the craziness of it, even though it's cheesy. But then fucking Hostile comes and it's just it just wakes you up. Like what the fuck is this? Like it's stuff that you've heard before, like. Like, we've all heard Slayer. We've all heard Metallica and shit like that. You know, we've heard fast music, heavy music, thrash music. But this just hit, this one is just a little bit different. I think knowing that they can do both so well, the thrash and the heavy stuff so well, that it makes the song that much better. I think if I were to compare this to any band, it would be Metallica. I feel like there's enough chugging there. There's enough melody, both vocally and both vocally and and guitar melody wise there's it's it's so metallica but heavier than metallica because slayer was always heavier than metallica but they were way faster and it was more just like let's just scream at you but this is that that perfect combination of the screaming at you with metallica and how melodic that that band is it's it's yeah. just a fucking fantastic song i i think it's absolutely amazing these guys definitely took a lot of what Metallica was doing. And I mean, just the whole image concept of, of we don't need to look like glam stars. We can, this is dressed normal, like normal dude, jeans and t-shirt is fine. Yeah. And now, but like that was a 90 already, like 1990, they've already put out four albums prior to that. So these guys are taking a lot from like Metallica and there's a lot of sound in here being a newfound Metallica man. There's a lot of sound here <laughs> that I think they are taking from Metallica, but I will say that I think, and it may be crazy, but some of the best Pantera songs are as good, if not better, than a lot of the best Metallica songs. And we're, but that's only like two or three Pantera songs. Overall, See, I think Metallica is definitely a better band. But if I took like the top three Pantera songs, I think they could easily match up against like the top three Metallica songs. I, I don't agree with you there because I feel like the songwriting is not there with Pantera. I feel like Metallica and what Lars and James did as songwriters was just some of the best in rock music, especially in the 80s. And Pantera has some of that, but they're not as good when it comes to writing a song. Yeah, talent-wise, like Vinny blows Lars out of the water when it comes to drumming. Dimebag is a better guitar player than James and Kirk, but it comes down to songwriting, and Metallica and James and Lars are just better songwriters. So I, I, I... can't I just I can't I don't agree with you on that. My my two my two biggest bangers one one and two it's fucking hostile and rise, like these two songs. They're the way songs. I the way I felt when I first kind of listened to Master of Puppets in its entirety, you know, decades mm-hmm. later, and I was like, holy fuck, this is <laughs> like really really ago? really good. <laughs> I felt even more so with this. Like just those okay. two songs, fucking hostile and rise. I was, I was just holy fucking shit. I cannot even believe this is, this existed. I, I, yeah. I, I was blown away. But yeah, you're right. Like writing, writing a, an album, a song itself. I think Metallica does do better. But I don't know. I, I, damn, dude, fucking hostile. Whew. It's an interesting viewpoint because you, you came so late to both bands. I mean, you've only been a Metallica man for two years, if that. So, I mean, I've been in, I mean, for as long as I've liked them, I, I, I think I have too, I have too much history with that band to where I can never accept 
that a Pantera song is better than Metallica. But but because you're so new, you can get away with it. Or you, you just you just see it differently. Yeah. That's what it is. I have no history with either, so I mean if, if I upset one over the other, it doesn't affect my past type of thing. Yeah. True. Yeah. I, I just I mean, just based off the way I feel and I, I remember I know exactly how I felt after finishing up Master of Puppets. I was just like, Holy fuck, this is incredible. And it started with battery. Like that was the yeah. the reason why I I really wanted to get into Metallica and what we did on the pod, and I was blown away. And I got mad at you for not bringing battery to me sooner because that's the song <laughs> that should have done it. Like you should have known. Even though I had brought like multiple songs from Kill 'Em All, I had brought the song Master of Puppets to you, but it was battery. I mean, battery. I mean, I, I mean that's a phenomenal song, but it's just so funny that that is the one that that truly did it. turned you. That did yeah. it. But I wow. honestly, I remember the clearest day. I remember, uh, I, I will never forget it. And much like this week, the first time I heard fucking Hostel come on after Walk, I, I was already sitting down. But had I been standing, I would have had to sit down. You had it, yeah. It's it was truly, I, this doesn't happen a lot because every time I do something on the pod, we've, we've heard it before in some capacity. This is, this is one of the few times where, at least for me, like I haven't heard anything by Pintera. And yeah, then, yeah. like, I was really, really, really blown away by Vulgar Display. Like, the, I really like Cowboys from Hell album a lot, but the difference between Cowboys and this one are just, it's it leaps and bounds better. Oh, I, I totally agree with you on that part. Absolutely. And I, just, I, I, was, I was truly, truly blown away by fucking Hostel. I, I still can't even get over it. I can't. <laughs> All right, let's, let's play a little bit of the song, and then we'll get into the lyrics and then move on to, to our two Bs. So here's a fucking Hostile from the Panteras. Almost every day, I see the same face. I'm fucking pissed at you, it's just the attitude. If you can see yourself, you put you on a shelf. You're from a massive place, but I'm still not the age. Today I play the part of the parent. Now make a hundred rules for you to know about yourself. The lies make you believe what's evil. It's making love and making friends and making up the wrong way. The right way to see, to bleed. Get out of here, 
There you go. Fucking art style. From the Pinteras. It, it's crazy how much Metallica is in there. It, the melodies are so master of puppets. Very battery, too. It, it does remind me a lot of battery, and oh, it, it, it's fantastic. It's a great I, song. Dude, even like the... So a lot of the times when, when, when Dybag is soloing... Yeah. Actually, I would say like about half and half. Sometimes they won't add a loud rhythm guitar under it. They'll just let the rhythm section play out. Well, the the, the bass player, I forgot, Rex, Rex Rex Hudler, and then Rex <laughs> Hudler, <laughs> and then uh, fucking Vinny. They'll, they'll, they'll just kind of let them shine, let them play. This one, they added like a, a louder rhythm guitar under it to keep up that that fast like thrashiness vibe to it. Yeah, and, and I like these are choices that I think like the producer is making because I, I think if the band had their way, they probably would just always put. Uh, a, a, at least a loud rhythm guitar under the solos mm-hmm. but there are songs where like it does not need it at all and it's better that there's not there but this is a perfect example that it definitely needed that there and i think that if it didn't have the rhythm guitar under the solo or under, yeah, under the lead guitar i think it would have lost some of its of its uh momentum Intensity? okay yeah I, momentum. I would agree with you i would i would agree with you on there it would have been much more lackluster had it not been for that rhythm track I mean, I, I don't know if that really was the band or was it Terry Date? I don't know. I mean, I think Terry's really good at what he does. I think he's one of the greats. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know who made that decision, whether or not they should put a rhythm guitar there or not. I, I think it's for sure probably the producer is, is telling you, like, hey, on this song, you guys should probably do it here. Because I feel like the band would just do it on every track. And then yeah. especially with the Cowboys and then more so on this one. What's the, what's the bass player's name? Rex something, right? Rex Brown. Rex Brown, yeah, whatever. Him and, and and Dimebag were in the studio, just like note for note, matching each other. So a lot of times you don't hear the bass at all because mm-hmm. the bass is playing the exact same thing that Dimebag is. So it's just kind of like meshing into just one really full sounding, awesome riff. But yeah, yeah, you don't hear the bass like almost at all during this entire album unless there's a solo, and only if that solo doesn't have a rhythm track to it that isn't loud. And one time. The bass has like a cool little, like, solo riff under Dimebag solo. But other than that, you never hear it. Yeah, never hear him. He never cuts through in the mix ever, which is fine. You know, that's just how some bands are. And I mean, if the rest of the music is good, that's it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. You need that low end. I mean, there, there's a point to have a bo- bass player in your band, and this is just a very simplistic player, a very simplistic. I don't know, member, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he, he, I mean, honestly, through everything I listened, I mean, all nine records, there's not one moment where Rex shines. No. Well, there is there is one on this album, but it's, again, it's under his solo. It's under Dimebag solo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, but there's no, no like, no. cool fills. There's nothing. Nah. Yeah. Nothing like that. He literally plays uh, the same thing as Dimebag. Like I, I was reading that they were in the studio making sure that everything matched up exact to oh, each you, other. Oh, okay. Like, I didn't it know was that a you thing. Read that. Yes, I it was a. That. No, they okay. were in the studio together, just countless hours, note for note. This, you know, before Pro Tools, so they're just going note for note for note, one by mm-hmm. one, making sure that the bass is right under the guitar, playing the exact yeah. same thing. I mean, it worked. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds great. I mean, you know he's a good bass player if he's keeping up with Dimebag. So, like, that's not a, a, a question, an issue. It's just, it's just I don't, uh, I don't even think it's that. I think it's also that he locks in so well with Vinny, 
Because Vinny, I actually, I mean, I will say, Vinny really surprised me. I didn't realize he was this good of a drummer. I thought he was a pretty simple guy, but he has some really great fills and some really great parts, not just on this record, but just in general. And to have Rex really lock in with him, but also stay so true to what Dimebag is doing is pretty cool. It's pretty damn good. So, I mean, Rex really does deserve more, a little more credit than, than he gets, but he never shines. Honestly, never shines. No, nah, he never needs to. Honestly, the, the, usually the rhythm section will, will be on point with each other, but because two of these guys are brothers, they've been playing together for a lot longer. But they also were playing you know, in high school together. But yeah, dude, Vinny, Vinny and Dimebag have just been playing together longer and are just better connected because they are brothers, because they are family. So therefore, yeah. they're going to be connected better than even like a good bass player would be. They can be yeah. on point. So what do you got lyrically on this song? Uh, I think I deleted it. No, oh no, this is he, another Phil Anselmo just pissed off at people. I, I think this is aimed at like authority figures, probably specifically religion. Re- religious authority figures. Yeah. A lot of God talk. But yeah, I, I, I think yeah. Just, I think it's about people are pissing him off. I think so too, and and I think it's also him pointing out the hypocrisy of of authority and religion in general and and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't I don't feel like any of his lyrics are super deep. They're interesting, but they don't go super into anything, which is I fine, think, whatever. I think he writes in a way where he probably is trying to be deep, and he probably thought they were deep, but he's just not He's just not a good lyric man. He's yeah, just not. I, would, I would agree. I would agree. But, I mean, honestly, you don't need to be. I, his vocals are really good. I, I think yeah. he's a really good vocalist, and he does. I mean, I don't think there's any singer who could have stepped up to the plate of this band. No. I mean, I don't even think, I mean, like you were talking about Henry Rollins earlier and how Phil probably took a lot from Henry Rollins. I don't even think Henry could have done something like this. No. Phil was the perfect the perfect match because he could do it all. He could do the glam, you know, heavy or like higher, almost falsetto style vocals, but then immediately go into a scream. But then what's so cool about Phil is that he doesn't just do the low growls. He can, he has a, like I said before, he has quite the range in the screaming realm as well. And a lot of, a lot of singers can't, can't do that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty damn cool. And I will say I was the, out of this entire week, I was the most impressed by Phil, not knowing really much of anything about Pantera's music. Phil impressed me the most. He had way more range than I ever thought he did. Which was great. Yeah, I would. I, I would agree. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't impressed at all by Vinny or or I forgot the bass player's name again. Rex something. Rex. Rex. Rex Brown. Rex Brown. Rick Brown. Rick James. Well, it's like I mean, with Dimebag, you know, Dimebag is great, so like you have that expectation. But with Phil, I always thought he was just a screamer, like just one a one trick pony. But he's way more than that. That's true. And then I so. mean, just the guy, just looking at him too. Yeah, I just I can't. I can now because I I've seen a lot of and he's just always been in the news being a dick and stuff and I it's just weird to think that this guy all these noises come out of this dude it, it just it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't seem right it just doesn't he, his vocals doesn't always match the guy's face the way he no, looks he just his size he just looks like he just looks like he's pissed off and all the time but he has way more he's way more dynamic than the way he looks I I agree with you on that yeah all right. So what is your, what's your 2B again? 
Rise. Rise. Let's get into Rise. Rise above. That's a great song too. We should play Rise Above instead. I uh, Um, again, I don't like, I don't like the transition from this love into Rise. It's it's just uh, dumb. It kind of, it kind of, kind of diminishes a little bit of the intro to Rise. How fast it comes in and, and just how aggressive it does. Because mm-hmm. this song just fu- this song murders you. You get murdered no, here. It does, yeah. And and dude, Anselmo's voice is almost like too aggressive. Sometimes it, <laughs> sometimes his voice reminds me of Deco when Deco's doing that that same type of voice when he's making fun of it. Yeah, like mustard like, man. Yeah, they're very mm-hmm. fucking similar. I mean, obviously one is very <laughs> serious and the other one is not. But it's god damn, it's almost just like too aggressive sometimes. And I. I don't know. Like their ability to stop on a dime also is just absolutely insane. The pre-chorus hits super fast and hard, and the the chorus is short and just kills all momentum purposely. But it yeah. just it just yeah. stops, and you're just like, "What the fuck?" And then it goes right back into it like nothing ever happened. It's just I the stop and go is just unreal. And it makes it makes those pre or the intro and the pre-choruses it makes them so much more exciting once you go get back into them because yeah you it kind of kills the kills everything going into it but it's still groovy it still has that groove metal that they kind of pioneered but damn dude those it's it's so aggressive it's so aggressive on every level i love and I it i think i like the way phil sings on this especially in the verses i think it's funny he does that up and down thing with his with his voice and like yeah he does this thing i think like I don't know if he's trying to be serious or if he's just trying to be goofy because these guys are, they like to have fun and they're, they're, they're pranking each other constantly during the recording of this and Cowboys and they're really good mm-hmm. friends at this point and they're just having a blast. So it's little things like that that make me think that this guy, Phil, is just not all up his own ass, that he does kind of have fun or he just thought this sounded cool, in which case it, it, it's a joke and it's funny. <laughs> this is another, another song where I feel he takes he takes a bit of inspiration from Faith No More, uh, from Mike Patton, because Mike Patton also has that kind of, that funny way of singing. Whether or not you think it's good, it's just, it's it's unique to that, to him, and I feel like Phil takes a little bit from that and, and throws it into the verses. Because it is very, I don't want to say swingy, that's not swingy at all. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, other than comparing him to Mike Patton. I, I think it's really good though. I, I think this song this song is really all over the place, but in all the best ways. In the solo, it kinda shows it shows it shows the best characteristics, all the best characteristics of this band in one song. You know, with the verses, the the groove metal of the the verses, the craziness of the pre-chorus, the guitar solo, like you just said, is one of the craziest guitar solos on the record. I love it. The way. The way Dimebag's able to have a purposeful solo, like this one changes mid-solo, and then it adds like a little riff to it, and then he's able to transition the song from the solo back into the music while kind of using that riff. And yeah. it's just like dropping everything else. And so instead of, you know, my, one of my biggest complaints of solos is just, let's put a solo in. Everybody stop talking, solo, okay, solo's done, let's go back to the music. There's no transition from the ending <laughs> of a solo back into the music. And that's... Yeah. That's poor soloing. That's straight up. I mean, I don't care if you're, the, if you're the best soloist in the world. That's just poor soloing because you're not writing music at that point. You're just being a dick. You're just so the, the fact that Dimebag can wink and then just add a little bit and then able or, or it, that's able to have the band transition back into the music is just it's it's unbelievable because mm-hmm. the solo is still really 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 good. 
It, like like yeah. the riff is not just some cheesy two power chord riff. Like it's still a fucking cool riff. And he's incorporating into the solo. Who does that? I know. I know. I'm with you 100% on that. <laughs> and I don't know if you, because I know you said you weren't very impressed with Vinnie Paul's drumming, but he has some really great little fills throughout this song too. So I don't know, maybe when we're listening to it again, kind of kind of here for Vinny's parts because he has some some pretty nuanced, kind of subtle things he throws in there, which I thought was really cool. So I'm going to play a little bit of Rise. So here it is from Pantera.
There you go. Rise from Pantera. I played it a little bit. I played it actually a lot longer than I normally do because I wanted to get to that guitar solo because we've been talking so much about his his solos and leads. Just got to hear it. Got to do it. There you go. Just got to do it, man. All right. So what do you got? Uh, what do you got lyrically on this one real quick? Uh, about thinking for yourself, making a, a conscious effort to help make the world a more positive place and stuff, you know. Love yeah. your fellow man type stuff. Yeah, I think it's cool. about fighting fighting for what is right in the world and society. It's about standing up to the status quo and like it like like we talked about, I don't feel like his lyrics are super, super deep. But I don't know. They're whatever, they're cool. I feel like I feel like the thought and the intention is all there, but the way it's conveyed is just okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's just, I think Phil is just an absolute, I, I think he's such a rad singer. He's a beast I, I of a singer. He's, he's I can't killer. tell you, yeah. I just, I can't tell you how much I respect this guy as a singer. I think he's just unreal. Absolutely unreal. He has so much fucking range. Wait. It, and it's crazy. Like, like the videos I was watching of fucking Hostel, like he sounds amazing live. He's yeah. absolutely amazing. He just crushes it. Just sounds just, so fucking good. And I was watching this one video. They're playing fucking hostile, and he's he's looking back at Rex Hudler and Vinny. Why did you keep saying Rex Hudler. I, I can't remember the bass player's name. Brown. Rex Brown. R B. Like Rex Brown. Name. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Rex Brown. Rex Brown. Rex Rex Hudler. You know who Rex Hudler is right? No, I don't. Oh, he's Seinfeld? a baseball player. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he's a baseball player. Like like the, the only the only two things you reference that I don't know. Are Seinfeld or baseball? <laughs> That's true. He was he was a baseball <laughs> player. Then he became the color commentator for the Angels for like ten oh, years. Okay, All yeah. Right. I think he got arrested too at at John Wayne Airport for like having pot on him or something back in like the mid two thousands. So good, but yeah, I, I, there there was a video I watched where Phil looks back to uh, Rex Brown and Vinny, mm. and he does like the hand motion to like speed it up, go faster. You know, like you do that circle oh, with your hand. Cool, yeah. And then you see Dimebag. <laughs> My God, dude, Dimebag was so cool. The way he just moved and the way he like swung his guitar around, but he never did like the full all the way around the body swing. He would just like like flip his guitar in different ways that I just I've never even seen people do. And it was just so mm-hmm. God, he was such a cool fucking rock star. And like Phil's looking at that Vinny and, and Rex to, to speed the song up and like he's already fucking fast. Like, what are you gonna do? And they speed <laughs> it up and they played fucking awesome and it took them like two it. minutes to get through it. That's so cool, man. Insanity. I will say though, I've never ever been a fan of Dimebag's signature guitar. I don't, I like, don't like pointy it. guitars in general. I think all yeah. pointy guitars are just ugly. Flying but, V's are cool though. Nah, I do I, like I, flying. I don't V's. like. I don't like any kind of pointy guitar at all. I, I think they're just stupid. But I will say that Dimebag looks fucking cool. His really, his, oh. dude, I think he looks so cool. No. Everything about him, I think he just looks awesome. His little cutoff shorts. His his sneakers <laughs> with his white socks that are high, but he pulls them down with his fucking. He's not a buff guy, but he always wears like cut off like a uh, you know the the yeah sleeveless shirts sleeves yeah yeah and his rake yawn looking hair and his cool ass guitar like everything and then, and he, then, and then he, he has the he d- always dyed his beard oh like dude. a different color yeah. like everything he just looks cool there's there's certain guys that I think just look fucking cool no he, he looks cool I agree he did look cool. But his signature guitar, I never, I, I just don't, I don't care for. 
it's too much. It's too, it's too glam metal. It's very, actually, it's very glam metal. And I just, I can't, I can't get behind it. You got it because it's I, I amazing. I can't do it, man. Too many points, like you said. Too many points, dude. It's just thinking like Dimebag. So it's like like Zach Wild is another guy who's who has like perfected like the harmonic thing and, and a guy who's, oh, yeah. who's been in, in the scene for a long time. But like Dimebag was doing the Zach Wild sound before, well before Zach Wild was doing it because well, no Zach Wild stuff didn't come out until like 1990 or when he was touring with Savage or Ozzy. Like it was late late 80s. The Metal Magic around- was, was 83. But he, but Dimebag really wasn't doing a ton of the pinch harmonics. I mean, he wasn't he was doing playing, a ton of it, but he was he doing was, it. It is there. It exists in all of their early albums, and in, yeah. it exists in this album. But I mean, obviously, Eddie Van Halen was doing it prior to all of them. I mean, but obviously, Dimebag Zach did, did it in it. a metal realm, like literally, yeah, true, like Dimebag. The, the guy is so beyond what how good I thought he was. He's and even like Pantera doing in the early nineties, they're doing metal music that. We're blowing people's minds. Even yeah, like yeah, metalheads. Yeah. They were like, holy fuck, what is this? What is going on? Like suicidal blew people's minds in the early 80s and then, you know, thrash ran its course and it was nothing new. But then they're like I, reinventing metal and thrash all in one and doing this thing that no one ever fucking heard of. I kind of wonder how much inspiration they took or if not Dimebag took from Sepultura because Sepultura, a lot of what Max Cavalera was doing guitar wise was was reminiscent of what Dimebag was doing but not as not as uh polished sounding like if you hear early Sepultura there's a lot of death metal in there but there's still a lot of uh, I don't I don't can't even try to explain it I hear a lot of similarities with Sepultura with Max Cavalera with Sepultura and Dimebag with this era of Pantera. That kind of sounded cool. This era of Pantera. This era of Pantera. That sounded really cool. Dude, we got we got to do something. That would have been a cool sometimes. fucking. That would have been a cool uh, uh, name for like a comp or something. Era of Pantera. <laughs> but would it have been though? Yeah, I don't know. Like rhyming's always fun. <laughs> it's it's fun. Like this is this is a, a rhyming <laughs> that's fun at first, but then you hear it for the tenth time, and you're like, okay, this is really stupid. Maybe like a song title or something. I don't know. I, the era of Pantera. It just shouldn't have been wasted. That's uh, so stupid. <laughs> All right. Wh- whatever. Whatever. So, Rise. Do we, do we have anything left on this song? No. What, what is, is Rise like a twelve B for you? Because there's eleven uh, songs. Rise is my three B. Rise is my three B. Mm. So, and that was your two B. So mm-hmm. my two B. We don't have to talk about it. It's fine. Because I know you hate this song, but it's this love. That is my 2B. I was surprised that you hated it this much. I really, I'm really surprised you hated it this much. Dude, I just, uh, why do you like that? <laughs> oh, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, what do you call it? What, what, a balladman Don't say it. Don't, don't say it. I'm not a balladman. I'm not you're, a balladman. Uh, Alkaline Trio. That's what it was. Alkaline Trio turning into, into a balladman <laughs> now for fucking whatever reason, which is still unbeknownst to me. But no, th- because, like, I mean, no. Of course you are. Yes, right off the bat, this no. I thought this was going to be a stinker. I was worried they're going to be falling back into their old ways of dumb glam metal or even cheap grunge. What they do sometimes, I fucking hate when they incorporate that because they just don't do it well and it just sounds cheap. And it kind of <laughs> did do that. But yeah, like no, them, them choruses, it, right? them choruses are fucking gold here. I will give you that. They oh, are dude, gold. That, the chorus is amazing. 
But then after the first chorus hits, the verses that follow afterward aren't so bad anymore. And that's what I noticed. It's the first verse that really fucking kills me. I think it's just dumb. But then that chorus hits, and I think the chorus is one of the best choruses on the album. And oh, then yeah, the verses absolutely. afterward, I think they're, they're fine. The bridge is fun. And then, like, so here's, here's one of the things I was talking about Terry Date doing earlier that irritates me. Before the solo, mm-hmm. there's these weird noises. They're, they're, you know that guy that the, the dog whisperer, Caesar, Caesar Milan, Caesar I think Milan. his name is? Yeah. yeah. He has that sound of the dog when he wants the dogs to listen to him. Yeah, there's this fucking like sound that is thrown in there just for no fucking reason, and it's just goofy and it's just straight fluff, and I don't know why it's in there and it's stupid. But we, what is the what's the who's making the sound? I don't know who's making the fucking sound because it doesn't make any sense. It's I don't not even like know a what fill. You're talking about I, I, yeah, because you don't even notice how stupid these fucking little things are, probably because they're <laughs> peppered everywhere in that everything Terry Date touches, all the corn stuff okay. that he probably did. And okay, it's okay, he, he only did a couple corn songs. Irritating. So, relax. Calm yourself. Uh, so he did or he did not do uh, corn stuffs. Yeah, he did or he did not. So he also he did. did a couple yeah. corns. Uh, did a couple Slipknot uh, songs as well. And you love okay. Slipknot. So, so regardless, but there are also things that Slipknot does that are fucking stupid. But the song's okay. It's 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 okay. It's it's not it's not even close to being a stinker. It's closer. It is. It's closer to being a banger than it is a stinker for sure. But. To say it's your three B is just you're you, you're clearly oh, a ballad man now. That's fine. Oh, it's my it's god! My it's your fucking two B. This guy, holy shit balls! And at the very beginning of the episode, when you said that you hated the sequencing of this record, I immediately knew this is what you hate. But this is what I like the most about this. Well, not the most about this record, but one thing I liked about this record was the sequencing sequencing of fucking hostile, then this love, and then rise. So that's my one, two, and three B right there. Now, if you think about it right now, that's my one, two, three right there. That's it's. This because is like a roller coaster it, that like that like will pull you up like Goliath. Like if you're on Goliath at Six Flags, and then it drops you down that big drop, and then you hit oh, that first dude, bank, that and then imagine like Goliath just kind of stopping, and then it turns into like King of the Dinosaurs, <laughs> and then goes back again. And you're like, what the fuck? Like I guess that was kind of cool. Like why did we but do that? Like why did you stop the momentum like that? You didn't need to do that. But isn't. But okay, think of it this way. Think of it this way. Since since you're a newfound progman, think of it this way: the fucking hostile, this love and rise. It is a perfect prog song. If this was just one song, you would love it. But because it is spread out between three different songs, you don't like it. Mm, no, because, because I don't like this love based off of that. I just don't think just it's that, that great one of a song. Verse. No, it's only that one verse because I don't like any of the verses. I know I said they're not as bad. No, no, no. You're not listening to me. I said they're not as bad. When you record, when you when you edit this, you'll be like, oh yeah, he did say they're not as bad after the first chorus. I still don't like them. They're just not as bad. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I didn't think that you would like this song that much, but I didn't think you would hate it as much as you do. But those choruses, man, those choruses hit so hard. So fucking hard. That's the only reason why it's not a stinker is because oh of the choruses. God. They're gold. And I think I think even even though Phil does a lot of the grunge sound or the band does a lot of grunge sounding stuff in the verses, it's not super cheesy grunge. Yeah, you know, it's, it's cheesy. Not, I, he, it's he's not, just, no, he's, it's a shtick. He's doing it because it's popular at the time, and it's it's just dumb. Dumb uh, doesn't need to be there. He's 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 better than that. He's too good for that. And and another thing I wanted to mention was Vinny's drum playing in those choruses. He has this really weird way of hitting the bass. Uh, not weird. Uh, weird timing when it comes to the bass drums. 
I, I think you'd have to go back and listen to to kind of hear it again if you haven't already. But he has this weird maybe syncopation. I guess maybe that's the right word to use with his his the bass playing. But it adds this like this flair to the chorus that makes it that much cooler on top of Phil's vocals. Because Phil's vocals on this and that chorus is, are just fucking unreal. Fantastic. This but, love um, is taking its toll on me. She said goodbye. That's the only this love I like. <laughs> Maroon 5, that is a really, That is a really good this love, though. Lyrically, though, on this on this version of this love, the one that Maroon 5 covered, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> this one, this is about just women that he was, or women that he was with when he was like in his early 20s and they wanted something serious, but he didn't. He just wanted to be just a player, you know, just fuck as many girls as he can. I don't, I don't think the song was very deep at all, honestly. At all. I d- it just I shows his immaturity as a young guy. I did get that, but I, I got it the opposite. I thought he was in... He was trying to put more effort in than he was getting in relationships. Oh, okay. Because right. like he was, he was like I don't know. Because he, he talks about like him like killing himself for you. I kill myself for you. He says this. Yeah, but I think I, that that was more of a perspective of the girl. I think I think because this 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 song was like it, it was it was I don't know. Pantera grew into this this machismo badass thing and then they put out this love is taken and they put out this love and everybody was kind of like what the fuck i can't believe it's okay that metal men can 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 feel feelings it's crazy and so i think this is him saying that he was in a relationship probably specifically and put in way more effort than he received and even though he knew it sucked he he still misses it he was being he was opened up his heart i mean that could be that could be very true I mean, looking at it from that perspective, I think I was going into this song thinking it was from the perspective of the girl, but it could be the opposite. He's just more, he, maybe he's more sensitive than, than he leads on. He's definitely a sensitive guy. He's for sure a sensitive guy. He's <laughs> say one wrong thing to him and he takes up the ass and gets all crazy about it. Same with the, the Abbott brothers. I think it was the same thing. They both, all three of them took things very seriously. Yes. Yeah. And that's why this band never worked. Nah. But, uh, okay, so that was my 2B. What was your 3B? Uh, oh, Mouth for War. Mouth mouth of mouth for War, yes. The first song, the opener. The what opener. What on this one? The, the song rips. The intro is, is just solid riffage. It's rad. Phil's vocals are so angry, and they layer so nicely over the music, and this is... Like already, just Mouth for Ward came up, and you know this is the first track on the album, and I'm already hooked, like instantly. I just yeah. I, I think it's so goddamn good. I love the riff in the chorus. Everything speeds up a little bit. It's a great quick build from the pre-chorus to the chorus, and then mm-hmm. like Daryl does these little harmonic sounding caps at the end of his riffs. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I think he's just hitting really really high in the neck. But they sound fucking great. They're fantastic. And they're super loud and noticeable. But they're not obnoxious yet. If they were just a little bit louder and a little bit more rung out, they would be obnoxious. Mm-hmm. They're almost there. And he just he, he, he rides that line very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, my God, dude, I even timestamped it. The fucking ending of this song. Holy shit. When like, it gets fast and thrashy. Starts at 310. And then it's just, I can imagine this pit in the fucking 90s. In the early 90s, this thing came out. 
this dropped and this pit comes and it's just everybody's <laughs> it's engulfed in, in madness. I can't I can't even imagine how much fun that would have been. Sheer I, madness. I just oh my god, dude! Seeing Pantera at this point, they were probably they weren't playing clubs, but they weren't playing arenas. So it was the in between. I would imagine, right? Yeah. So maybe was, maybe the size of like the Palladium or the Wiltern. Well, they had already played with. Uh, well, they played with Metallica and Guns N' Roses at Monsters of Rock, but those are festivals. That's different. But they played they played a show in Russia with ACDC and somebody else that I forgot. And that yeah, but was, that was that's, that, that was, really opened them up because. Like nobody knew who the fuck they were, and everybody loved them more than the two headliners. And then the world was kind of like, "Holy shit!" Like, look at Pantera just opened up for ACDC, and people want Pantera more than ACDC at this point. And then in Russia, where you can't buy anything at the time, and now the whole yeah. world is looking at Pantera and like, "Wow, you're a, you're a world act now. You're not just touring clubs in America. You are a world act." And this was, I think, that was like right after Cowboys came out. So yeah, they're for sure not playing clubs anymore. They're not playing stadiums, but they're playing, you know, a couple thousand people venues. Okay. So that's At what least. I'm saying. Like, so I guess bigger than the Wiltern. I don't know. Maybe like yeah, they're the, Brent Center? Dude, they're selling out the Wiltern for sure. After Cowboys came out, they're selling out the Wiltern. Absolutely. Easy. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're one of those weird bands that, I, that never reached. I don't think they ever reached the arena level unless they were playing with another band or a festival. No, no, I, I I can't see him doing like an arena. Yeah, I don't see it either. But dude, can you imagine seeing them at the whiskey <laughs> at the very beginning of Cowboys from Hell? Like how insane that must have been. Because that that was they pro- they were probably still playing those club shows at the very beginning of Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, it must have been fucking wild. Dude, seeing oh him, seeing them at just some club in LA, and then right after Cowboys came out, and they said, "Oh, this is a new song we're working on," and they play fucking Hostile. <laughs> hope you guys <laughs> like it. It's, it's coming on our next album, and they play fucking Hostile, and you just like lose your mind, rips oh, your God. face off. Oh, it's so good. But anyway, mouth for war. Mouth for war. This this song, I mean, I agree with you. It, it's such a heavy song and such a great way to start the record off, and fills. Phil seems to like strain his voice a lot in this song, and I love that. I, I really do. It straining your voice in a song can either be really, really great or just straight up bad. Like you hear, like the strain in Mark Hoppus's voice on "Damn It" sounds great, but the strain you hear on Mark Hoppus's voice on "California in Nine, fucking terrible. But on this song with Phil, this I mean, it, he just does it so fucking well. Like it just sounds so good with the song. Overall, it, it's very groove-based, and the solo is very short, very sweet. I love it. And then I agree with you at the very end when it picks up. And you said 310, right? Yeah. Starts at 310. Should I, should I do it? Should I start at like maybe 230? You can start at like 230, 245. 230, 245. Okay, so here is uh, a little bit of the song Mouth for War from the Panteras. (laughs) 
There you go. Mouth for War. Good from God. Pantera. Dude, it's so good. It really is. It's it's unbelievable how <laughs> good some of these songs are. I'm so I'm so pleasantly surprised this week. I've been so pleasantly surprised this week. All right. So what do you got lyrically on this one? Uh taking your life back. Taking your life back from monotony or even just overall taking charge of your actions and therefore changing your future. That's what okay. this sounds about. I didn't really get that. I got more just kind of using all of, I think it's like Phil taking all of the criticism he gets and all the bullshit he gets from people and just taking all of that and then using it as strength to, to fight back against it or, or just to prove to everybody that he's better than all the, uh, all the expectations. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. That's essentially what I, what I, yeah, it's, he's, he's, uh, he, he's he's taking a, a a more positive approach to making decisions, yeah, based off okay. of the bullshit that he's in, 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 encountered. Okay, so do we have anything else on mouth for war? Or got nothing else? Okay, so my number three was rise. What was your number? Wait, no, that, that was your number uh, three. That was uh, my number two. That was my number three. Mouth for war. Yeah, mouth for war is your number three. So what's your number four? Uh, walk. Walk. Okay, walk. we already we already talked about that one. Go with will. <laughs> my number four was was live in a hole so we already talked about that one at the very beginning so then what do you got for your number five regular people regular people wait regular old people oh that okay that's that's my that's my 5b <laughs> that's my 5b so what do you got on this one this is uh solid i, I really like these little pre-song jams that they do and mm-hmm. and that's kind of what they got going on here Vinny throws out the double bass sounds great this is just a nice bouncy song it flows nicely and it's fun and i think it's a solid mid-record song even though it's a little yeah. bit at the end it's just a good like it's not great but it's it's a good b song from this album and i think it's placed well because personally i don't really like live in a hole or live in a hole and I don't, <laughs> no good was was okay so mm. it needed this and i, and I okay. like i like where it's sequenced here and this is the one, Rex Hudler, or Rex Brown, finally <laughs> doing something noticeable and memorable. And this is the only time on the entire record that he actually kind of steps up and then, you know, plays the bass. Yeah, for once, for once in his life. Yeah, for once in his so, first and only time. Regular people is my five B. I I agree with you on the intro. I think the intro is fantastic. That that interplay between Dimebag and Vinny. I think it's just fantastic. Some great, really honestly great playing from both guys. They both really shine during that. I think it's what, 45 seconds, maybe a minute long of just that that awesome intro. And the riff itself is fucking excellent. It's awesome. <laughs> and everything about the song in general is brutal. But I mean, what do you expect from Pantera? Everything they do is brutal. Even even like their, their ballad songs, their slower songs are still pretty brutal. And this is another song where I feel Phil, he does a lot here. He has his normal screaming and all, but I hear a lot of Corey Taylor in the vocal delivery. Obviously Phil did it first, but there's so much of that, that delivery, both in like the quieter parts, because in this song, there's a lot of clean vocals, but the clean vocals are very menacing very reminiscent of what Slipknot was doing on their first two records, where when Corey sang those quiet 
quieter songs, like it sounds like he's going to fucking murder you. He's going to slit your throat. Like he's going to take you down into the basement, torture you and kill you. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. And that's kind of what I get on with Phil's vocal delivery on this song. It's just it's it's just so good, man. And when once you get to that guitar solo with Dimebag, dude, he makes that guitar wail. Like it is Oh my god, dude, it's so good. Like when you're when you're a guitar player and you solo and you could really make the guitar just like scream like that, that's impressive. Ah, it's just I know. Great, great I, songwriting, I, great playing by everybody. I, I think this is such a cool song. This is one of the few times that I, I've not one time did I ever get tired of listening to, to Dimebag solo from Metal Magic all the way to the end. Yeah, like literally not one time was like, okay, dude, that's enough. Like every single well, he time he sold it, it was just fucking good. I will say though, throughout the listen through of the nine records, there were moments where I thought, "Damn, Dimebag should have done more." He he could have he could have soloed more, and it would have sounded honestly, it would have sounded better in certain instances. If he winked a little more, or if he did some more leads here and there, it could have been a little bit better. But he never overdid it, which is good, which is better than anything. You know? Yeah. It's better to do a little bit less on that end than overdo it. Yeah, exactly. Because then you just, so. you just you fall into that category of people that I hate because they're Ingvy yeah. Malsim and they just do too much <laughs> all the fucking time. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's good. The song's song. fantastic, dude. It's just another fantastic ending. Also, right up to the very last moment, absolutely mm-hmm. slays. Yeah, honestly, it really does. Should we play a bit of it and then get into the lyrics, or what do you think? Yeah, whatever. Whatever you want to do. No, this is your pod. Don't play. Don't play. Okay, here's here's regular people from Pantera. Regular people from Pantera. People. Peoples. Dude, it's, it, 
that intro, man, it gets me gets me every time. I mean, it's <laughs> it's longer than I initially thought. It's like a minute and thirty seconds, but they're just they're just so in sync that the brothers are, Vinny and and Dimebag. It's it's so cool, man. Mm-hmm. It's so great. So, what do you got lyrically on this one? I thought this song probably came from somebody probably like told Phil or, or called him a pussy. And then he wrote this song. Like that's, that's how I feel the, the sequencing of events happened. Cause this song is, is, is like him trying to tell people how tough he is and calling out other people who think that they're tough, but he's tougher. And I've, I've been tougher longer than you've been tougher. And that's just, yeah. that's the only way I can see this song being written. If somebody called him a pussy and he's like, pussy, <laughs> and then wrote this song. I kind of see it in, in a way where, People are criticizing him for being too tough and being too macho, but he's saying, I'm actually walking the walk. You're just, you're just talking the talk. Like you're, we're different in that sense. Like, yeah, you, you act tough, but you're not actually tough. Like I, he backs up everything that he says and claims. He doesn't give a fuck if he fucks you up. I think what is it? The, um, I read something where somebody got hurt, like, like some girl got hurt at one of the Pantera shows. Oh, oh no! Okay, so the song Five Minutes Alone" was written based off of this this one fan who got this girl who got her. I think she was like sixteen or seventeen, and her dad said her dad like called them, their manager and said, you know, if I just get if I if I just get in a room alone with with Phil Anselmo, he I'm gonna kick his ass. And then Phil said, and then the the manager whoever was answering the I think it was the manager he said, you don't want to do that. Like he flat out just pretty much told the guy like that's not going to happen because he's going to fucking kill you because Phil will fucking kill you because that's how like tough he is. And that's, that was his actual reputation. Like I wouldn't want to fuck with Phil, Phil Anselmo. He would probably rip my face off. I don't know. I, I, I think he's just, I think he's the big baby. I think he is a baby to an extent, but I I think he is. No, I, I agree. I think he is a whiner, kind of a baby, but I think in this in a situation where if you were to actually get in a fight with him, like you cross him, I think he would fucking rip your face off. I I just I don't. I think he can back up everything he says. Yeah, he's sensitive, but he could still beat the shit out of you. It's like Ron Artest. He could probably beat beat the shit out of you, but he's a very sensitive guy. That's true. That's true. That's he's, that's kind of the way because he's it. just like fucking I don't know, like mentally unstable. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Like I think Ron Artest, totally my right. God, fuck. Ron Artest was on, um, damn, he was on some podcast that I was listening to recently, and they were talking about the Malice in the Palace incident, and Ron was saying that that him and the guy that he punched have become like actual friends, and they like do charities together, and like they know each other well now. Ben Wallace, right? That was the guy that he punched. Was that was that who? I don't remember. His name. They were yeah, they were friends even before that. It was just it was. No, no, no. The fan, the guy in the crowd. Oh, he became fans with the friends with the guy in the crowd. Yeah, the guy in the crowd. The yeah, guy yeah. that threw the cup, or the guy that Ronald yeah. Tess attacked, because they're two different guys. I don't remember which guy it was now, but it was one of the two. One of those two guys. Because if it was the guy that threw the cup, because yeah, Ronald Tess attacked the he wrong guy. He punched the wrong guy. Yeah, he punched the wrong guy. But I don't remember which guy it was, but he he he's like still friends with him, and they do charities together and everything. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could ever trust somebody like Ron Artest. It's just over and over and over. <laughs> this guy is just insane. He's a cool though. He's a cool guy. Mm, okay. <laughs> he 
hearing hearing his side of the story of that incident really kind of changes your at least changed my perspective on the entire incident or maybe he's so. changed his tune because if you watch there's that that doc on netflix about malice in the palace too and he oh, yeah, they interview him that. and he doesn't give a fuck <laughs> he didn't care and they even asked him, like, you, you attacked attack the wrong man? guy. He's like, oh, fuck, I, didn't, I was seeing red. I was just attacking. Like, Are you an animal? No, he, he, I mean, even on the podcast, he was saying that. He was saying like he didn't know who he was going after. He just was like, it was a general area. He did see red. He was like a fucking bull. bull in that's, a China that's, shop, not, right? that's no excuse. He, he, he rides it off like it's an excuse. Like, it's not my fault that I attacked the wrong guy that was just there to watch a game because I was just seeing red. Like, well, that's I don't not think an it's excuse, necessary. Bro. I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's just that's how he an explanation. No, that's an excuse. I think it's more of an explanation of of the incident, like a better explanation of the incident. Yeah, it's not that 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 he's condoning his behavior or necessarily apologizing for his behavior. He's just saying which he should apologize if he fucked up. You apologize okay. when you fuck up. If you're not going to apologize and, and you're using and no, your no, explanation has, as an excuse, he has apologized, but you can still come up with an explanation even after apologizing. This is like you, you can you can feel a certain way at a certain time and then change your tune after. But he was, I think, he just he's explained. I've never seen his tune change. He's never been like, yeah, I feel really bad about it. This sucks because he essentially ruined the career of another guy on his team because yeah. that guy was an up and coming basketball player that was involved in this fight. And because they got Ron Artest, and now he feels obligated to back up his teammate, and that guy's career was fucking ruined. And he was a fantastic yeah, basketball yeah. player. Ron Artest doesn't care. And he even says, like, yeah, we essentially ruined this guy's career. Hmm, okay. Mm. <laughs> cool. Mm, cool guy, I guess. Ron Artest. <laughs> I got to watch that doc. I got to watch it. He's an asshole. Fuck him. Don't tell him I said that, Man. though. Yeah, because he'll fucking kick your ass. You know, like, but he's, he he wouldn't even like kick your ass. He would just like rip your arm off or something and like eat you. Or he just, you know what I mean? Like he's that type of just insane. Like just wouldn't uh, stop. I do. I, on the podcast I was listening to, though, they they were talking about music, and I guess like the uh, the projects that he that he lived in, they're like well known, like like a a famous thing in New York. The projects that he grew up in, and I guess like Nas grew up there as well at the same time. And I guess he, he was saying like every block had its own name based off of who was most popular or who was most who was the most significant out of each block. And he said like there was the Nas block. There were a couple other rappers and a couple other people that came out of that the same projects as him at the exact same time. But and they're all known for their their various careers. Very interesting. Yeah. But That's all, cool. A bunch of guys came from the same area in New York. Back to Pantera. So we got the lyrics done. We got the music done for that. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, I mean, that's about it. I, everything else is lower Bs for me. I'm 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 fine. Talk about piss. Did you listen to piss? I did listen to piss, but it was cool. It was fine. I mean, it's fine that it was never on the record. So. It, People listening right now, if you don't know, Piss was a B-side from Vulgar Display of Power. It was uh, discovered by Vinnie Paul, or rediscovered by Vinnie Paul, in 2012 uh, when he was going through a bunch of Pantera stuff, and he came across it, and he's, he claimed that it was the only like fully realized song from this era, or from that album cycle. And then they, re, and then he, they re-released it on the, the anniversary special, like 20th anniversary of vulgar display and it's a whatever song eh, it's fine it's not bad I, I, I think it's cool i i do like it i think it's rad i would list it as a banger but i i 
I don't think it quite fits with the album, yeah, but it's still exactly. a good song. That that's kind of what I was getting at. It, it doesn't. I don't know where I would put it in the context of the record. Well, not that it fucking matters anyway, because the sequencing on this is fucking trash. So you can well, put whatever you want. Throw a dart. Close your eyes. It's fine. Let's put it. Let's put it as number one. First track. <laughs> you you put fucking this love has taken. It's totally, you put totally that as number lovely. one. You probably be like, oh, this is a great opener. <laughs> this love is a good song. Though. I fucking love ballads now for some reason. Alkaline Trio turned <laughs> me against ballads or turned me on to ballads. AK3, baby. Oy. All right, so if we're done with the songs, let's talk about the album artwork. Yeah. I love the album art. <laughs> and I don't know if you read about it, but Vinny yeah. and, and I think Rex had said the story behind it was that they, they paid some guy they they paid some guy to get punched thirty dollars per punch or ten dollars per punch. I ten bucks a punch, baby. But then they punched him thirty one times, just for that shot. That was the but story. That was the story. Yeah, for years that was the story. But then the guy who took the picture, the photographer, said no. It was just some like model that they had hired, and it was all staged. Like no, nothing about Never the picture got is real. Which is quite the letdown, but it's still a cool picture. I think I if they're think going awesome for picture. something funny, I think they've accomplished it. If they're going for something cool, it, it's fucking stupid. If it's just like a, a, a tongue-in-cheek thing about being funny, I think, I think that they did a great job. But, and I think in <laughs> the early stages of the band, fun. they do do things that are a little bit goofy sometimes. And they are, they are kind of, besides Phil, but like everybody else looks like they're having a good time when they play live. Yeah. So okay, I, could, yeah. I could see like maybe this was, was a little bit jokey, but it's cool. I have nothing against it. I don't think it's like great, but I, I don't think it's bad by any means. I think it's their best album cover. I mean, that's not saying much. Their album <laughs> covers are bad. <laughs> their, their album covers are terrible, man. Like they're, they're fucking terrible. bad. Even like their newer ones with like the flame and then oh, like the snake and it's just. Did like, you dude, read? You did doing? you read the story behind the the guy with the the flame album art? <laughs> no. So it was. Just, they were they were at some like barbecue or party. And somebody had a, like a bottle of wild turkey and they just jumped through a bonfire. And that's what that picture is. It's just some guy jumping through a bonfire at a party. Oh, that does not look as cool as that story is. Yeah. And then, they had, and then if you look, he's holding, he is holding a bottle in the picture. But they had to pixelate the label because it's a, wild, it's, it's a bottle of wild turkey. And they didn't want to get sued or, or have to pay any sort of royalties. So they blurred out, they pixelated the label on the bottle. Yeah. Dude. Really fucking lame. All of their albums are just absolutely <laughs> trash. Yeah, you're right. He is, dude, it looks so bad. <laughs> I know. God, just looking at it again right now, it's so awful. Yeah. Like, why is every 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 single one of their album covers I think yeah, are just like, not good? Even like even like Trend Kill, like cool rattlesnakes are cool, whatever. But that's not even like a cool picture of a rattlesnake. No, it's stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. It's like it's like some stock photo from from like a David Attenborough <laughs> doc that he just took. It, it's fucking dumb. Power the, and then the power metal cover, the four of them like in the glam era, all just standing there with their arms crossed, and then that it has like so bad the red spikes around them. It, it's it's so bad. It's that terrible. one's that one's one of the worst because they had just come off three really bad album covers. And then they came out with this, and honestly, they, the power metal album cover is worse than their first one. Metal Magic, at least they were like seventeen and sixteen. At least they, they can they can claim that. Use that yeah, as an you excuse. Can, you can excuse you. Yeah, you can excuse that. The that get magic. You 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 can wait. Get magic. Wait. Metal Magic. Metal Magic. You can excuse that cover because of their age. 
but honestly, I think I really like the metal magic cover because it's so it's so representative of that time and probably that area of the country that was still probably five to seven years behind the times, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's like it's like when you watch <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Everything yeah. in that movie was like five to ten years or like probably ten years outdated. Yeah, you swear that's that how movie the Midwest set in like nineteen eighty two. Yeah, but that's I mean, anybody you talk to and you look at any sort of history, that's how the Midwest was. They were always way, way behind the times from the West and East Coast of the United States. It's a perfect represent, representation of that, and I feel like that's what Metal Magic is as well. It's just fucking outdated for that. But I love I, it. It's so ugly. Yeah, I guess, honestly, like, Vulgar Display of Power, I guess, would be their best album cover. But I don't think yeah. it's great. Well, even Cowboys from Hell, that album cover is stupid as well. Oh, it's so terrible. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's very dumb. It's the same guy that took both pictures from Cowboys and this one. Yeah. Awful. And Vulgar is obviously much better. But yeah, awful, terrible, awful stuff. Terrible album covers. Hate them. All right, so we, do we have, are we, do, we, do we want to talk about anything else regarding this record? Or should we, should we give our final thoughts and then give we get, our, well, our we gotta, rating? We got to at least mention the murder Oh, Dimebag, yeah. How that, like, that did change the scope of live music after it oh, happened. Oh, totally, yeah. And, and I, like, I remember it happening. I didn't know who Damage Plan was, nor did I really know who Dimebag was outside of just a really good guitarist that people liked. But when 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 some guy comes on stage and, and murders a musician playing music in a live venue, there was no more after after that there was no more like stage diving there was no more getting on stage and singing with your favorite band there was like no more of that shit that stopped yeah instantly it ended a lot of it yeah and the first time i crowd surfed was at the glass house the first time i stage dive was at the glass house and it was from it was at a limbeck concert and mm-hmm. then after that happened and i still went to dozens of concerts after that at the glass house never again never again did that happen they, they every place had security now and it's 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 Which it's such good. an unreal thing. It's such an unreal fucking sequencing of events that happened that night, and I just like reading about it again now because I, I I revisit the the that night. I I'll, I'll read about it every several years just because it's just so unreal to me that this could possibly happen that somebody could do this mm-hmm. to somebody else playing music on stage. It's just I, I it's just so bizarre. It just doesn't make any sense, and I. I and it sucks because I, I feel bad for Phil because he was, like, they were feuding. He was feuding with Dimebag, and, and then he died. And they never got a chance to kind of, like, bury the hatchet type of thing. Yeah. And he had just, like, shit-talked him, like, a month prior to that, too. They, they just got on his ass and called him, like, a fucking poser or something. And he gets yeah. blasted on stage, and then they tell Phil not to show up to the funeral. They said, don't, don't come to the funeral. I, we don't want you here. I think it's better if you stay away. And, like, that's... That's, they were buds for a long time, and that's like that's sad. It just shows the pettiness of it, you know. I obviously everybody everybody involved is at fault, but dude, it's like you lose like one of your closest friends and bandmates and guys, a guy that that only only you can relate to. You know, it's like you can't. No matter what, there's no other person that you can share that experience with of touring making a record blowing up like that it's and just to completely cut them out is it i think that's just so crazy that's so crazy to me i mean we we see it so often and i just i i also think it's very very bizarre 
It doesn't happen that much. I mean, it sensationalized more more than anything because there are yeah. plenty of bands that that still talk and that are friends and whatever. It's just you know what I mean. It doesn't happen as often as as we as the media makes it out to believe that it happens. Makes us believe that it happens. Yeah. But yeah. I I just I cannot. Even, I still like even reading about it now. I just cannot believe that this some guy came on stage and murdered somebody playing music. And then also, because I, I kind of was reading through the whole thing, because I haven't read about it in fucking so, so many years. And he had tried to pull some sort of shit like four months prior to this in Columbus. And then he had been banned from that venue. And then when Damage Plan had come back to a different city, obviously he wasn't banned at that venue. But then people, everybody was saying like they've noticed him out in the parking lot, like loitering. And, and even security... Around. And even security went out and like said, like, what are you doing? And this and that. Like people confronted him and then they kicked him out of the lot, the parking lot, and then he hopped the fence in the back and came in through the back door and then, you know, shot Dimebag, shot a bunch of other people, killed three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, some fan jumped on stage to try and help like resuscitate Dimebag, shot him. Yeah. And it's just like, my God. And it, but it's, it's like fucked. this was this seems like something that would happen in like the fucking seventies or eighties, you know, like a shocks of nation. But this was like two thousand four. Mm-hmm. This is post nine eleven, or uh, yeah, this is post nine eleven. And this was, we were we were in high school. We were juniors or seniors in high school. We were just about I think to graduate. We were sophomores? No, I think we were sophomores. No, because we graduated 05. There's no way we were was sophomores. It, it? We had to been juniors or seniors. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, I think I, for sure we were juniors. Like if, if we were definitely not seniors. But I, re- I remember thinking, like, holy fuck, dude, like, that could have been us at any show because it, yeah. it's, you can get on, it's so easy to get on stage. Oh, yeah, it, totally. Even, and it's not like we put today. rock stars on, on pedestals or, or anything yeah. and we think they're like gods, but it's just like, who the fuck does that? Like, some just, I don't know. It, it still boggles my mind. Like, you, you kill politicians. You don't kill fucking musicians. Yeah. And, and you've seen the video, right? Yeah. Yeah, the video's fucked. I can't I mean, believe the video was ever released. There's zero time to react. The, the, how fast that guy yeah. comes up on everybody. There's oh, zero time to react, and it's it's fucking frightening because because of the, the the type of music they're playing, the fast aggressive metal stuff, and he comes on stage and does this. The crowd doesn't even know what to do. They don't even know how well, to they, like, respond or react. They just they stand there in shock because is it a joke? Is this part of the act? Is this something? And it's oh, dude, it's crazy. I, I don't know. It's it's I insane. Know. And then, and then, kind of reading about it again, the the police officer who did respond, like he gave no fucks, like he immediately went on stage and shot the guy, blew the guy's head off, fired one shot from a twelve one, gauge, one shot shot him, yeah, right 12, in the shot face, him, yeah, like that was it, that was all, like just no head, which is great, like honestly, that's how it should be done. Don't tase the motherfucker, blow the fucker's head off, like you, obviously multiple fatalities and or casualties and i mean good on good on the police officer honestly that i mean that, that's a lot of bravery too going into this situation blind just knowing that there's an active shooter and going in and just and and not only that but the the shooter i forgot the guy's name whatever the fucker who shot you say his name yeah i don't even remember but he had somebody held hostage at the time he had somebody yeah. i think I, yeah, no, he had him at gunpoint. He was holding, I think it was the tour manager or something like that. He had them at gunpoint, and this police officer came and fucking blew the guy's head off. Yeah. Like, good on that guy. And then, I, I from what I read, too, that, that police officer ended up going to court just for, like, formal, formality reasons. 
And obviously he was acquitted of any criminal wrongdoing because he did everything right. Like he honestly was a hero in that incident and good on him for fucking blowing that guy's face off. Fuck that guy. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and like you said too, like going to you and I have been to like over a thousand shows probably, or like a thousand, like we've been to so many fucking shows. No joke. It's, it's unbelievable. We've been to so many and I mean, I just, I cannot imagine that happening. I mean, prior to Dimebag being murdered, we hadn't gone to that many shows prior. It was mostly after Dimebag had died, but I, I do remember that. I remember very vividly that happening. And I mean, I was more into the metal scene than you were and everything. And I I knew a lot of people who were very into Pantera. And I remember it going through the our high school. I remember s- certain friends of mine and people I knew they were all talking about it and they were just very upset, very, very upset about it. It was a very big thing at our high school, at least within like that scene at our high school. I do remember that very vividly. And it was weird. It was a very weird day, a very, very weird day. Cause it's maybe not for like, like people who were like into sports and like cheerleading and shit like that. But I mean, generally you and I ran in like the music scene and we ran in the, the punker scene and the metal scene and, in high school. So I do remember that, that rippling effect throughout the the school that day. Yeah. It, it was, was it was just fucking shocking. Shocking yeah. to think that you can now go to a, to a, a venue. I mean, like the whole nine 11 scene too was, was shocking, right? Cause oh, yeah. now everything we know of is now flipped upside down, but we were a little bit too young for that. Like we, we knew what we, was going on. We were on. freshmen in high school, but, but we were still a little bit too young because yeah, we're, yeah. Dude, we're, I remember just getting upset that I was going to be late for school because it was happening. So I didn't, I didn't fully understand the gravity of the situation, but now that we're juniors and this happens now we're kind of understanding a little bit more and it's, it's hitting home a little bit more because it could have been us. Like we could have been at this show. How easily that could have been any fucking show that we've exactly. been to. Yeah. Because we, we go to, we go to these little small club shows. We go to these bar shows where we're not supposed to be. You know, we're, we were used to going to that and it, it hit really close to home. Yeah, nine eleven was obviously horrible and terrible and so many crazy memories with that that particular morning and that that day. But yeah, the Dimebag thing was, was very different because it, it really hit different because we were so entrenched in, yeah, because we were so entrenched in the that's, that scene, you know, the concert show scene. So Yeah, so that... Uh you know that sucked, and then I guess there's no one then, has it? <laughs> yeah, I, I that kind of goes along too with we we've talked about it on the pod before, but the whole the whole incident with Great White, the band Great White. Yeah. Remember, like the year before, the year after, I don't remember exactly. I think it was the year after Dimebag died. There was that the huge fire at the yeah. the bar, and like twenty people died. Half the band died because of pyrotechnics in the bar. And it's like, dude, this is another incident. You know, we were, we've been in that situation hundreds of times over the years. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy how hard, how close to home some of these incidences are. So just how like unnecessary these things are too. And the thing with the great white, that's, I mean, that's like 100% avoidable. Yeah. 100% avoidable. This, this, the shooting, I mean, you can only do so much preparation, but the great white thing, like, come on, dude, come on. Yeah. on it's, it's trying to relive your past in like big arena or big, big venues where you can have the pyro. And 
it's just guys who are kind of washed up and yeah, yeah sad. Silly, silly stuff. It's so sad. It's so sad. Both incidences are just so fucking sad. Anyway, on that anyway. note, on that fucking note, uh, do we want to talk about anything else? I mean, obviously, Vinnie Paul has passed away a few years ago from heart failure and really the only two, I mean, Phil and Rex are the only members of the, the classic era that are still alive. So there's no, there's no way there's going to be a reunion of the band. No silly. It'd be so silly. But people are still kind of not happy with Phil and Selma after the whole racist thing that he did. Oh, 2014 or 15, something like that. Yeah. Which is understandable. I, I get that. But wasn't it, after Vinny died, didn't Phil go on like a Pantera tour where he, or was it after Vinny died or was that after Dimebag died? I don't remember, but after one of the deaths, he, he, him, whatever band he was playing with at the time, whether that be down or super joint, he, uh, they were playing entire, all their sets were Pantera songs. And that was it. They did an entire tour of that, which I think is cool. That's a cool, like homage to the band and his career and everything like that. It's fine. I've I've really no problems with that. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's I still think he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Just a dummy. Let's give our final thoughts on this record and then give it a rating from our world famous uh rating system where oh. three is a perfect album, two is a good album, you're gonna continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but give it a shot, and zero is just a trash fire. So what do you got, Jeff? I um I, like I said earlier, I've never I've never heard a full Pantera album in my life. And so this mm-hmm. was this was something different and I was I was thoroughly impressed with pretty much everything about this band, even from their glam days, even from Metal Magic all the way to the end. There was something good about every single album. So I, 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 had a, I had a good time. I had a blast. This was a really fun week. This was an easy week. Even listening to this shit on fucking YouTube because, <laughs> God forbid, they, they acknowledge their, their non-tough guy past. But mm-hmm. this album, there's a couple songs on here that I, I don't really care for. If they were gone entirely, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even be mad. But I don't know. The other songs is really, really, really make up for it. And like I said, I... I I honestly think that some of these these great Pantera tracks can hold up against the best of Metallica. I just I really can. I think I think Pantera just fucking blew my mind this week. It is they're they were so goddamn good. But it's not a perfect album, so I can't give it a perfect score. <laughs> but I'll give it two point eight. I'll give it two point eight. Two point eight that high, huh? That high. These dude, these tracks are unreal. Even with their even with their stupid ballads that you like. Even with those. This is a this is a two point eight. It's a two point eight I think this is this is some shit that was blowing even even the the metalist of metalheads in the early nineties. This came out and they were probably like, Holy fucking shit, this is crazy. So <laughs> I dude. Woo. Uh, okay. So my final thoughts on this. Much like you, never got into Pantera until honestly this week, and it, like I said at the beginning, it's crazy that I never did because I knew so many people who liked Pantera so much. I, I just don't know why I never dive, never dove deep into it. It took this long, but I'm glad I finally did. We finally did this. It's been a long time coming, honestly. I, we've talked about doing Pantera on the pod for 
at least a year, maybe two years, but we just never got around to it. Yeah. But uh, it's been honestly quite the ride, but a really fun ride. Not like the poison ride, which was all bad. All bad. This This was fun from beginning to end. Yeah, there were some low points, especially at the end and a little bit at the beginning, but it's fine. It was, it was a lot of fun to read about it and watch videos. And this is a good week. Honestly, this is a good week for the pod. I had a good time. Even when we have bad weeks, it's still good. It's still interesting, but this is a really good time. And with that being said, this is a great record. Great, great contribution from every member. And I'm going to have to give this record a 2.75. Not perfect. It's not perfect. But it's it's much better than I was expecting. The craziness, the heaviness of it really kind of blew me away. So, mm. But it, it, it really lacks, I will say though, it, it lacks a lot in melody. A little bit more of that, I think it really could have been an absolutely beyond perfect record. But if you just went straight forward, you know, punch you in the face, metal music, this is it. This is absolutely it. But one thing that, like I said, that really separates this band from like Metallica and and stuff like that is, or is, yeah, it's the melody. It's the melody that really separates it and Metallica are just a better band. So whatever. Pantera's great. Dimebag's great. Amazing guitar player. We already talked about it. So, oh boy. So you got anything else? Should we do the quick outro and get the fuck out? Let's get the fuck out. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends and family about us. Give us five stars on on Apple Podcasts. And uh, that's it. That's all. Go with Bill. I know. Well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, the guys at Glasshouse, they look at this and they're like, well, yeah, it's going for 12 bucks on or 11 bucks on Discogs, but who the fuck is going to buy it? What idiot's going to buy this? <laughs> Here can me stroll along. But you know you would have picked this up too. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. <laughs> Dumb song. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's fucking. I have, I have nothing but like negative things to say about it too.